Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and uh, today we've got quite a few stories I want to talk about. And three of them actually, while separate stories, kind of come together in one theme. Uh, so first we're going to talk about a follow-up to last week, which was the IGN reviewer Philip Muchin, who had uh, ripped off a Dead Cells review from a smaller YouTuber. Uh, he has since responded, uh, since everything went down, including his termination from IGN. Yes, they fired him over it. Uh, he has replied to that. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of fun drama going along with that, uh, along with other things. Uh, other things found uh, with him. Um, so, uh, like a lot of other examples of him, uh, a few other examples of him stealing content. God, I'm trying to spit this out and get it out here. Um, so we have that. Then we wanted to talk about uh, a user uh, who had a massive library from EA Origin has had his entire account deleted. So all of his digital games just disappeared overnight and he no longer has access to them. Uh, then we're going to talk about, and kind of connected to that, which is uh, Emu Paradise, which is another one of the ROM sites. Now, a couple weeks uh, you know, before, earlier, we did a story about Nintendo shutting down ROM sites, sending some cease and desist letters. Well, Emu Paradise was not one of those sites. However, they have decided to voluntarily remove all of their thing, uh, all of their ROMs, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, since again, it goes to this whole kind of digital versus physical game preservation debate we've been having. And then lastly, we're going to talk about Bethesda blocking the sale of a, of, of a new copy of Evil Within on Amazon. So they sent a, a cease and desist letter through their lawsuit to a consumer who was just selling his copy of a video game on Amazon. So very weird stuff. And again, they're all kind of connected in this way of like what they're all connected in this way of it, it kind of brought up this old debate, right? Like this old physical versus digital media sort of debate. And it's, it's, it's a tough one because digital is essentially the future. You know, it is where we're going, but I don't want to be forced into it. And that's one thing that has always set consoles apart from the PC realm is that we got to keep our physical games much longer. Uh, in fact, in Europe, it's even more different because they have rules against digital distribution. And so, it's weird that there's almost more of a physical presence in Europe when it comes to PC games when here it's almost completely non-existent. But anyway, so I, it's a, it's a really interesting one. This might be a longer one than usual, uh, which would be just fine. Cause I've had a couple shorter ones recently, but we're just going to hit the ground running and we're going to go. So to begin, we're going to talk about former IGN reviewer. And yes, I say former Philip Mushin, because on the update from our story we did last week, he has since been terminated by IGN based on the allegations, uh, which seem to be true about him plagiarizing another person's work. So we are going to, um, and, and, and so after getting terminated, he decided to, oh, what are, he, he made an apology video because he wanted to get his side of the story out. That was his big thing. He, he, he wanted to tell his side of the story because he had been so, so grossly mis, uh, misrepresented and, and he was so disappointed. So we have his apology video, which I'm going to be honest with you, was actually kind of difficult to find because he has been copyright striking anybody who re-uploads it because of all the backlash he's receiving, he has since deleted it. And I'm going to show you why he deleted it after you listen to it. It's about a five-minute video. We're going to talk along with it so that I don't get any copyright strikes so that it falls under fair use since I have to do that since I don't want our channel to get a strike either. And we're going to talk about that and we're going to go piece by piece by the video and we're going to check it out. So um, so here, uh, here we go. 
I'm not really sure where to start because there's a lot that I need to say. Okay, so I I know I'm already stopping it seven seconds in, and I know this is terrible, but my God, he just did the fakest, biggest sigh I've ever heard, and then it's, please feel sorry for me. We got to talk about this. Ugh. Like, this is the ultimate level of manipulation I've ever seen. Like, this is high-level emotional, like, sociopathic um, sort of level manipulation here but i i digress you know what we haven't even gotten seven seconds in i'm sorry let's get back to the video but if you're watching this video then you probably already heard about the plagiarism allegations and now you're waiting for my side of the story so here it is i take complete ownership over what happened with the dead cells review okay so first he says that's a good start i take complete ownership of what happened with the Dead Souls review. Okay, maybe I was wrong, Philip. Maybe, maybe I was wrong. Here we go. You're going to hit us with it. Let's go. Okay, I apologize because I should have just let you keep going because clearly you take responsibility. So here we go. There were a lot of circumstances surrounding it, but at the end of the day, I was the editorial lead on it. So if anything, that makes it my responsibility. So that confuses me because he's talking about there were a lot of things going on with this review, but he was the editorial lead, so it's his responsibility. He was the one on Twitter after, like, before this video came out bragging about how it was his first edited video and how he was so proud of it and he couldn't wait for us to see it. Like it was his first like solo video. That's literally what he said. So now it's, it's almost like he's hinting at, wait a minute, you know, there was, it, it was possibly somebody else who did it, but it's his fault. I, this whole thing is mind boggling to me. Carry on. My review process isn't really that different from other reviewers that I've met while working as a professional in the games media industry. And the formula stays the same for whatever product I'm reviewing. I do as much research as I can about it, whether it's a game, a product, or an event. I try to look at all resources that I have available to me before I start formulating my own critical opinions so that I can offer the most cohesive possible review. Okay, so he's explaining his review process. I mean, I guess that makes sense. He's saying he plays through the game and he sits down and he 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 absorbs a lot of the content so that he can make his best decision and put the best things into words. Okay, go ahead. The bottom line is that what happened with the Dead Cells review was not at all intentional. So with that said, I just want to apologize to everybody at IGN for all of the undeserved criticisms and doubt that may have been sparked in their credibility as a respected source for games media. I don't think there's anybody at IGN that likes him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because, and I'll say this since I've got the time, I mean to say this for a while, it's not IGN's fault. Like, ultimately, they take responsibility for it because that's what a responsible company does. And they did. They took responsibility. They said it happened under their watch. They terminated him. It's over. To attack IGN and, and to use this as an opportunity to attack IGN, you know, that's the problem is IGN got so big that they've got a lot of people out there who don't like them. And I, I'm not a big fan of IGN either, and it's fine. But, you know, you don't have to use this as an opportunity to say that all of IGN is garbage because it's not. Like, this was a, an act of garbage by one person. And IGN took responsibility for that. You know, they did. And so he's apologizing to them. Great. I, okay, that's a good start, I guess. Apologize to the company that fired you. I mean, I made a lot of great friends over there, and the last thing that I ever wanted to do was disappoint any of them or put any of them in a bad place. There are so many very talented, hardworking, and creative people at IGN, and each and every one of them deserves praise for the great content that they put out every single day. 
I have nothing but the utmost love and respect for everyone there. So just please don't swarm them with any mean and undeserved negative attention. So this is also something I wanted to bring up. I, I didn't see a lot of that. Like, yes, I saw people who were like, oh, look, IGN's crap or whatever. And so that did happen. But it wasn't like it was so overblown. You know, like like this is almost like he's he's begging us. Please don't attack IGN. Please. Like, like he again, he, this is this is this is classic sociopath type stuff. This is him basically making us feel bad for being irritated and upset by this situation and being uh. I don't want to say upset because it's not that big of a deal. Like I'm not trying to overplay it here, but like for, for us having negative feelings towards him, he's trying to make us feel bad for that. I'd also like to apologize to motion twin, the developers of dead cells. It sucks so much that their game got caught in the middle of this controversy because it really is a great game. And a lot of people worked very hard on it for a long time. So I, okay. So let me just say right here, there's nobody at the company that makes dead cells saying, this is the worst day ever. They are super happy. Their game sat in the news cycle for a whole other week, already off of an amazing launch. That game sold, I'm sure, a ton of extra copies because of this. It got a ton of extra exposure. Nobody at that company cares <laughs> that this happened. You don't need to apologize to them. They're not mad. He's only apologizing to them to make sure he can still have his foot in the door for probably getting a preview copy of their next game. Who knows? But you don't need to apologize to them. It you don't, okay? You don't need to apologize to a company who just made a ton of extra money off of your exposure. I hope that it gets the recognition that it deserves It is for the right reasons. As for Boomstick, I have nothing but the best wishes for him, and I hope that his wave of success lasts a long time. A lot of you watching this video might not know my story, but... Okay, so I had to stop it there real quick because he apologizes to IGN, then he apologizes to the dead cells company and then he says i want to wish the best to boomstick he doesn't apologize to boomstick i guess that's probably part of him not being able to admit guilt for whatever reason but he he doesn't apologize to him and in fact that's that's kind of um that's a jab if you really if you really examine that that's a dig on him basically saying you're welcome for all this attention you just got and hey there's nothing untrue about that Go to games, Boomstick Gaming's channel, man. Two months ago, he did a 10,000 subscriber special. Now he's at 71,000 subscribers. And I swear earlier it was like 50. So I, I don't know. This is crazy. So the dude just got 60,000 subs in two months. And a lot of it came off this reason. He has 1.1 million views on his IGN Copied My Dead Cells video. Awesome. Good for him. And he should because his videos are very good. And he got ripped off. So that's great. But it's kind of like... What what a jaded dig that was at almost like you're welcome for me for for this happening to you sort of thing and and he's not wrong like like Boomstick Gaming should be very happy like I total honesty here if someone ripped off one of my videos and this exact same thing happened to me I would be happy that I got success based off of that but the success isn't coming because he got like him ripping him off doesn't mean that it's Philip deserves credit is what I'm trying to say. But I also started out as a YouTuber, so I completely understand what it's like being a small YouTuber trying to make a name for yourself. I mean, Boomstick, just, just keep doing what you're doing, man. It looks like you have a great thing going, and I've got nothing but respect for you. Nothing but respect. Clearly, you know how I show respect to people? I rip them off is usually how I show respect to, to people. But again, it, it's this whole, like, 
you know, you, you're, you've, you're finding success at what you're doing. You know, you, you keep doing it, man. I got nothing but respect for you. Like this is the most fake stuff imaginable. It is, it is the worst apology. And, and I heard someone say this earlier and I might agree. This might be the worst apology since Kevin Spacey. And if you don't remember, he was basically saying that, uh, because he, uh, you know, for a long time was gay and was in the closet in Hollywood that, uh, it, you know, these things happened where he essentially assaulted another person when he was young. It just, it's mind boggling to me to try to say like, oh, it's, well, it's because I'm gay or whatever. It makes no sense. I was lucky enough to get noticed on IGN through my YouTube channel, which if in case you're wondering is in fact all of my own original work. So you can keep looking Kotaku and, and please let me know if you find anything. Oh, baby, this is going to come back great. So, and we're going to talk about this, don't worry. But let me tell you one thing, okay? I know a lot, Kotaku gets a lot of crap, too. All of gaming journalism gets a lot of crap from different people. We all have our favorite sites, and we all have sites we don't necessarily like. Kotaku, though, has some really talented people there, and they have some people who will dig. And never challenge the internet, okay? Never challenge the internet to find something. Why would you do that, Philip? Come on, man, you've been on the internet for a long time. Don't challenge this. You know they're going to find something, and they did. And we'll get to that later. Which, by the way, their their news editor, Jason Schreier, tried to imply that my FIFA 18 review was also inauthentic by claiming that I copied it from Nintendo Life. And that's, that's just so not the case. I mean, maybe he was implying that if you have similarly opinionated reviews then you're just plagiarizing. Or maybe he's just trying to get as many clicks off of my name right now as possible. Or maybe he just likes kicking people when they're down. <laughs> this I, I this cracks me up, man. First of all, don't go after Schreier, man. He's going to tear you up. I mean, and he's going to find it, and we're going to talk about it. But again, maybe he just likes kicking people when they're down. No, man. It's, he, are you kidding me, dude? And And when you watch... And we're going to talk about, we're going to go over Kotaku's kind of review. It's about as straight edge as you can get. It doesn't feel opinionated. He's not, like, I've read articles about this situation where people are super opinionated. And, and it's clearly that they're just, like, here kind of ranting and stuff. That's not what that article is. And so why would you specifically call it Kotaku by name? Like, that's just not good. Now, who knows? Maybe these guys have a history. Does IGN and Kotaku have some sort of super rivalry between employees? I don't know. I don't care. But I don't think it's very smart to go after another news outlet that's arguably almost as big uh, and they reaches a ton of people and probably the fans of Kotaku probably don't like fan like IGN because that's why they're on Kotaku right even though somebody like me I kind of try to absorb as many of the gaming blogs as I can but again oh maybe he's just like kicking people when they're down what are you down from you're down from your own actions and he's not kicking you when you're down like you know it, this is the truth man this is what it is I don't know I mean check it out for yourselves and and you be the judge Oh, you got it, Philip. We will. But one thing that I do know is that it's not very fun being the target of a gigantic lynch mob who wants nothing more than to feed into your destruction. The amount of hate and threats that I've been receiving on social media have been pretty staggering. And, and I actually believe that. And I think that's pretty crappy. Like, I, I don't want to harass him, you know? Like, I don't understand why why people, like, take it too far. And that's that's the problem with the anonymous internet that we have is that people know they can go further than you normally would in a normal social setting face to face. Like, you know, if you saw him in public, you might say something like, you know, Philip, you ripped off IGN, man. You suck. 
<laughs> and that's it, right? You know, but he, you know, I'm sure he got legitimate death threats. I'm sure because I know the internet and I know the hate mob and I know the mob mentality. And, and that's not okay. And it doesn't matter what he did. It doesn't matter what a lot of these people do. It does. It's that's not okay. It never is okay to do that, to take it too far. But he acts like, again, he's the victim here. And this is, again, classic sociopathic behavior. Uh, a lot of times, if you've ever been in a bad relationship, which I have been in a few, not currently, thank God. I've been in a few where you can't ever be upset at anything because as soon as you start to feel bad, they make you feel bad for being mad at them or they make you feel wrong because now they're upset that you were upset at them. So now you have to comfort them. It's just, it's this whack kind of cycle of manipulation and, uh, and it's, it's terrible and it's exactly what he's doing right here. And I get it. I mean, people are mad and rightfully so rightfully so. Okay. So are you admitting then that you did it? <laughs> because if they're right, if you say they're rightfully so angry, that means you done did it, son. Moving on. But it's one thing to go and harass me, berate me with hateful words and, and threats. And it's a whole other thing to look up my family members and spread hateful comments on their social media accounts. That's just, it's just not okay. I mean, totally agree. I, I, I will, I, I got to give him this. I think that's terrible. And anybody who's looking up his family members and harassing them, yo, yo, reevaluate yourself, please. Recheck your priorities and, and get a grip on yourself. I mean, like, come on, just look deep, man. Come on. That's terrible stuff. What does his family have to do with anything? You know what I mean? Give me a break. Now, again, if you feel like you have to harass somebody, or you have to let out that anger, contact Philip and be like, you know what, man? I'm mad at you. I can't, you broke my trust. I'm mad at you because I liked you on the podcast on the Nintendo stuff. I liked what you did and you made me mad, man. Forget you. I'll never watch you again. Boom. Mic drop. That's all you have to do. You don't have to make death threats. You don't have to contact his family. Like that doesn't make any sense. Not on any level. They have nothing to do with this. So, so please just leave them out of it. There have been so many of you that have also reached out to me with kindness and words of support. And honestly, I can't, I can't thank you enough for that. Who the hell is reaching out to him with support? I'm sorry. I, first of all, I don't necessarily know if I believe that that's true. I'm sure some people have. There's a lot of bl uh, blind fanboyism around. So it wouldn't surprise me if there were people who were like, Philip, man, no matter what you do, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll love you forever. Uh, I mean, hell, Jeffrey Dahmer's got fans, man. Uh, Charles Manson had fans. I'm just saying not Phillips on the same level as them, but let's get real. There's always going to be somebody who loves these people, you know, and loves the celebrity so much that they're willing to overlook everything, uh, anything they're willing to overlook it all for that, because it's probably the only thing that's been keeping my head straight throughout this whole nightmare. And, and it gives me hope for the future because honestly, I love what I do and, and I want to keep doing it. Yeah, man, I mean, you're pretty good at copying videos, so you should probably keep doing it. <laughs> I don't want to stop making videos. I, I want to prove to you that I can be better, better than I ever was before. Like I said, I take full responsibility for what happened with the Dead Cells review, and I know that I'm going to have to do a lot of work to earn your trust back, but that's okay. It's just so weird because... He talked about in the beginning how it was unintentional and not his fault, but now he's saying how he has to earn our trust back. Like, I know I messed up, but you didn't. You're, you didn't say you messed up, man. You, you're, I don't, you know, he's like, he didn't admit to it, but now he's like apologizing like he did admit to it. Because I'm going to do everything that I can to make that happen. The truth is, 
I didn't get into this industry to make money or to get famous. I started this whole journey because I love video games and even more so because I love making content about them. I mean, I wanted to share my passion for entertainment with you and maybe inspire others to go out and chase their dreams as well. So that's that's everything I have to say. Thank you so much for your time and, and thank you to everyone who's been so incredibly supportive throughout this entire living nightmare. And I hope, I really hope I get to see you guys again soon. Oh, wait for it. Oh, oh, he did the walk off. He did the walk off. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. You can't get more manipulative than that. You kidding me? You edited that video, dude. You watch that video, and there's cuts all over the place. But gotta get, gotta get up, man. And then and you do like the oh, just the camera. <laughs> man, Philip, get the hell out of here with that crap. Um, that 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 was one of the worst apology videos I've ever seen. And uh, how hilarious was that? Um, that was that was actually really great. I'm I'm glad we got to experience that. So. Now, though, we're not done yet. Hold on. Hold the phone, kids. We're not done. We got more where that came from. Where are you going? Don't don't get up. Don't use the bathroom. Let's get into the good stuff now. Don't, don't hit pause on the podcast. Hold on. Because we got more. <laughs> we always got more good stuff. So this I like. Now, this is on Kotaku. Um, originally, they had the story, obviously, talking about it. And they had mentioned the FIFA review that Philip mentioned in his video, right? So, uh, the update was there's a third review questioned and Philip's video had been removed. So this is interesting because this video, this is by Jason Schreier, the man in question, the man, the myth, the legend, the, the Philip Slayer, as it were. Uh, so former IGN editor, Philip Mushin was fired this week after investigation to allegations that he had plagiarized a video game review. He responded last night on his YouTube channel, telling viewers that there were quote, a lot of circumstances unquote surrounding the review and that he did not intend to plagiarize from another channel. And then this is where the updates start rolling in. So update the video is no longer on Mewchin's channel and the tweet has been deleted talking about it. So again, somehow the apology I think actually made the story worse. And I guess he realized it because he kicked it off. Um, quote, the bottom line is what happened with the Dead Souls reviews was not at all intentional, he said. So with that said, I just want to apologize to everybody at IGN for all the undeserved criticisms and doubts that may have been sparked in their credibility as a respected source for games media, end quote. So this is what we just went over this in the video. Uh, so then uh, this is again, this is the old story here. <clears throat> and then I want to get to it here. OK, so here's what uh, the example they talked about with FIFA. So, because here's specifically what he said. Um, you should also mention Kotaku's reporting on the story, naming me specifically, Jason Schreier. On Wednesday night, we learned that before he was hired at IGN, Mushin put out a video review of FIFA 18 on Switch that was full, on, full of striking similarities to a Nintendo Life review published a few days earlier. And this is, again, the quote from the video. Remember what he said? You can keep looking, Kotaku, and please let me know if you find anything. <laughs> Remember that? We just heard that a few minutes ago. So here's, uh, here's Jason Schreier saying, here's one example we found. This is the Nintendo Life article. It actually works well. As long as you aren't a stickler for intricate animation detail, you're going to have fun here. It runs smoother than a greased-up jazz musician, too, with a full 60 frames per second in both docked and handheld mode, making for a silky performance and the general feel that you've been playing a high-quality product. That's Nintendo Life. Now, this is Mewchin. 
but when you're playing the game, it actually works really well. And it's easy to look past the graphical setbacks, because whether you're playing docked or undocked, the game seems to run at a consistent 60 frames per second, which looks silky smooth and really leaves you feeling like you're having a true AAA home experience, but on a console you can take with you on the go. <laughs> so it's just, he's just rearranging sentences, man. This is great. Uh, so now this was also funny because the, the interaction is gone, but I want to see, maybe I can actually bring this up. Is this still here? Yeah. Okay. So Chris, uh, Scullion, uh, he was the one who wrote that FIFA review. And so, uh, when he had done the apology video, uh, Philip had shared on Twitter to which Chris replied with, I can't believe you're actually suggesting you didn't plagiarize my FIFA 18 review for Nintendo Life and claiming that plagiarizing the Dead Cells review wasn't intentional. You have completely failed to accept and understand what you've done. <laughs> so, um, that's great. Um, and, uh, and here's actually, um, oh man, I should have, I should have brought this up so we could watch the video of the guy talking about his FIFA 8 plagiarizing, but you can go see it. It's funny. Um, but yeah, so, so that was, uh, uh, that was what was kind of happening on Twitter when this all went down. Um, and so he, he kicked in, you failed to accept, and understand what you've done. And then there's the video highlights, which are, which are here. I, I really should have watched these. Damn it. I should have, I should have, we should have went over that too. Um, so <laughs> here's the, here's the quote I was saying earlier. Quote, I haven't seen an apology this poorly received since Kevin Spacey wrote IGN reviews editor, Dan Stapleton on Twitter last night, adding in response to another Twitter user. What can I say? Getting stabbed in the back and lied to doesn't bring out my best qualities. Um, uh, IGN PC editor, Tom Marks said, quote, just to be abundantly clear, plagiarism isn't a mistake. It's a choice. Um, and then, uh, another update. So a final update, not long after I posted this article, another tipster reached out with a third example of Muchin review that looks very similar to another outlet's work on September 8th, 2017 in gadget posted a review of Metroid Samus returns on September 13th, Muchin posted his own video review of the game. Here are some of the comparisons that Kotaku transcribed. In Gadget, Samus Return takes the hero and the franchise back to its roots, from level design that encourages exploration and satisfying enemy encounters, to the traditional 2D platforming style that helped birth the term Metroidvania. Mm, the term I hate. This was Muchin's take. Samus, Reser or Samus Returns takes the legendary hero and franchise back to its roots, with everything from its satisfying enemy encounters and intelligent level design that encourages exploration to the traditional 2D action platforming style that literally helped define entire genre of video games. In Gadget, this is another part of the review. Samus needs to plunder the depths of planet SR-388 and exterminate the Metroid, but this time players have extra tools to keep the experience from being frustrating. Mucian's review. Samus is sent down into the depths of planet SR388 on an extermination mission to eliminate the Metroid threat. However, this time around, players have a few extra power-ups to keep their experience feeling fresh and up to par with the modern standards of gaming we've all quickly grown to love. And Gadget, their Metroid, uh, continued on. For veterans of the franchise's more traditional games, it feels like coming home. Samus Returns builds on the tight exploration platforming of Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, and Metroid Zero Mission, and then adds to it. Muchin goes on in his review to say, For fans of more traditional style games in the series, you'll immediately feel right at home playing Samus Returns, because it shares the same near-perfect formula of exploration platforming with the other entries in the franchise, like Super Metroid, Metroid Fusion, and Metroid Zero Mission, but then greatly builds upon it with some interesting new gameplay mechanics. It's just... I mean, this is ridiculous. 
Uh, and then lastly, Samus can still shoot up, down, and diagonally, but holding R activates a precision aiming mode with full range of motion and a targeting laser. There's also a new counterattack move that can knock back an enemy. Time it just right, and it'll throw an attacker off balance and set them up as the perfect target. Mewchen, on that same take, in terms of combat, Samus can of course still shoot up, down, diagonally, but holding R now activates a precision aiming mode that allows for a full range of motion and some extremely precise aiming. There's also a really cool new counterattack that adds a completely new dynamic to the combat itself. Okay. And then uh, and Jason Schreier goes on to add that he's reached out to Mewchen for comment. Um, he even did say that he was willing to debate him, unwilling to talk to him about it on Schreier's podcast. Mewchen has not replied. He will not because he's completely in the wrong here. He has no legs to stand on. And it's completely ridiculous. But man, this is this is a wild one. Let's... um. Let me see this real quick. I wanna... You can keep looking, Kotaku, and, and please let me know if you find anything. Which, by the way, their their news editor, Jason Schreier, tried to imply that my FIFA 18 review was also inauthentic by claiming that I copied it from Nintendo Life. And that's that's just so not the case. I mean, maybe he was implying that if you have similarly opinionated reviews, then you're just plagiarizing. Or maybe he's just trying to get as many clicks off of my name right now as possible. With half a decade since the release of <laughs> okay. a FIFA title hey, on a Nintendo console, <laughs> FIFA 18's arrival on Switch couldn't have come at a better time. And I'm just gonna go ahead and say right away that FIFA 18 on Switch is nothing less than a marvelous technical achievement for the entirety of portable console gaming and a fantastic game in itself. Which definitely says a lot, especially if you remember EA's last attempt at releasing a FIFA game on a Nintendo console, FIFA 13, aka FIFA 12, on Wii U. Now here we are with FIFA 18 on Switch, and if you're a fan of the FIFA series, well then you're gonna feel right at home here. Because at its core, FIFA 18 on Switch is in fact a proper FIFA experience. Only this time, it's running on a custom engine that EA designed specifically for Switch, which means that it doesn't play exactly like the PS4 and Xbox One versions of the game do, the animations and physics are definitely not as fluid and the pacing feels slightly faster, ultimately leaving the game feeling a little less realistic and slightly more arcadey. But when you're playing the game... Okay, uh... <laughs> this is good. This is great, man. Uh, this is, uh, less, like, piece by piece than, uh... Uh, you know, than Boomstick did on his, but man, like he's highlighting exactly what he's saying. So what you're seeing on the screen is the written review from Chris Scullion. And what you're hearing is the video review from Philip. It actually works really well, and it's easy to look past the graphical setbacks. Because whether you're playing docked or undocked, the game seems to run at a consistent 60 frames per second. Which looks silky smooth and really leaves you feeling like you're having a true AAA home console experience, but on a console that you can take with you on the go. However, when you get up close and get a good look at some of the character models, it's pretty clear that they do have a good amount of less detail than the Xbox One and PS4 versions of the game do. But any real imperfections are pretty much unnoticeable during gameplay. As far as modes are concerned, FIFA 18 comes with the standard tournament and kickoff modes, as well as the Women's League, which was officially introduced in FIFA 16. There's also a career mode where you can choose to create your own character, or you can manage an already existing pro. Review, While it's not the journey mode wild. that you'll find on the Xbox One and PS4 versions of the game, it's still a way for you to focus on a single player if that's the way you like to play. Local Seasons is a new mode that's exclusive to the Switch, where you can play a five-match tournament against some fellow FIFA-owning friends locally to see who the best player on on your street is. 
However, arguably the most exciting mode to come to FIFA 18 on Switch <laughs> is of course Ultimate Team, complete with squad building challenges and manager tasks which are essentially daily challenges that you can try and complete to earn rewards and card packs to get new players for your team. It can get pretty this addicting and it's probably the most exciting way to play the Switch version of FIFA 18. Online play is present, but unfortunately, you can only play against random strangers that the... So anyone listening on the podcast, basically we're watching a video where it's... <laughs> it's They're, they're, they're showing the, the written review from Chris Scullion, and we're listening to Philip Mewson talk about it, and it's it's he's highlighting the things that are exactly similar, and the the... The format of the review is the same. We're listening to the video in real time going right down his review. Like, he doesn't even move things around and talk about things in different order. Like, it straight up just goes right down and puts it in his own words. Like, this this is the definition of plagiarism. It's outstanding. The EA servers match you up with. It can be a lot of fun bringing your ultimate team online, but it's a huge miss on EA's part for not... All right, well, I think we got the gist of that one. And for the podcast viewers, it's not very exciting. So, that that is, um, that's incredible. So, uh, to show that I'm not plagiarizing anything... Uh, this is Kotaku's article, uh, and then that video was Chris Scullion's YouTube channel. Go check that out. I'll put links and everything down below. Um, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is one of my favorite my favorite stories, I think, because how many times does something like this happen, right? Where like a guy makes it worse, right? So you're you're doing your thing, you get caught, man, you know, and it's like, oh shoot, man, I better I better just. Just keep on digging, brother. Just keep digging. Maybe, maybe there's an escape route at the bottom of that hole. Just keep shoveling. Oh, it's starting to rain. Uh, it's starting to fill up with water. Uh, just keep digging, man. You'll get out eventually. <laughs> um, but all joking aside, um, you know, plagiarism sucks. And it really sucks when someone like this exists and essentially gets to have a job that so many of us would love. You know, like who wouldn't love to be the Nintendo editor for IGN? You know, and say what you will about IGN if you don't enjoy their content. I would love to be a part of their uh, of their website, and I would love to be a part of one of the people that maybe makes people change their mind. Like maybe I could do content on their website that would make people say, you know what, I'm not, I wasn't the biggest fan of IGN, but man, Greg and Jordan and their content's just great. You know, I'd love to get them on there. You know, and so I'd love to see that. I don't think it'll ever happen, but I'd love to see it. Uh, so obviously, this is it, it's no joke. Um, plagiarism it's serious you know and and the fact that he's a serial plagiarizer and i don't see that he'll stop anytime soon you know on youtube you can get away with that stuff you know and not not that you know the ones that have done it uh like when suggestive gaming got ripped off by game ranks you know like you obviously can still get busted but it's not like here where you're working for like a corporate owned company man like you just can't pull off that and it's not right i'm not saying it's okay to do it if you're a youtuber i'm just saying like if you're gonna get away with it maybe that's where he belongs you know let him be on youtube let him have his corner of the internet let his fans and customers like him and, and whatever you know I'm, I'm just very excited to to see the support philip go fund me you know i'm sure that's coming and then we're gonna see a patreon set up where he's like you know oh just please help you know my my family's been blah 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 so anyway philip you got what you deserve man i'm sorry and you had a chance to try to make things right and to turn the narrative fully admit what you did even if you did it for reasons like you know there's rumors that he did it because he was so stressed out at ign and he couldn't get the content done on time that the deadlines were really looming okay you know, that's actually something a lot of us can relate to. And a lot of us have, you know, work extra, you know, and a lot of us have problems with uh, with work stress and things. We can relate to that, dude. What we can't relate to is you being full of it and just lying all the time. 
All right, so enough about Philip. So this next story, this was one uh, that caught my attention. And uh, I caught the Reddit thread, and then the blog started to pick it up. But this is uh, this is an interesting one. So this this goes to a broader topic that's kind of flowing through the podcast today, which is physical versus digital media, um, preservation of games, things like that. And so this first story we're going to talk about is that a EA Origins user had his entire account deleted and was no longer able to access any of his games. And so I'm going to try to go down through. Now, my understanding is that this gentleman who lost his account is Indian. And that uh, so if some of the English is, you know, not 100 percent perfect, it could be because not maybe his first language. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, here's basically his recollection of the story. So he says, I'm a veteran playing Battlefield since 2002 and using Origin since launch. Just two weeks back, I wasn't able to log into my Origin account with Bethesda, uh, with Battlefield 5 pre-ordered. I contacted EA Help, and they are telling me that there's no trace of my ID. I provided them with transaction IDs, order IDs, game keys, but they are telling me they have no info. In fact, they don't even know what happened. EA Help mercilessly disconnected the conversation with vague explanations. My account has games worth thousands of dollars, which include Battlefield 1942, Battlefield 1 Premium, Battlefield Bad Company 2, Battlefield 3 Premium, Battlefield 4 Premium, Battlefield 5 Pre-Ordered, Unravel 1, 2, Titanfall 2, Battlefront 1, FIFA 18, Elvira. So this, taking a break from the Reddit thread here for a second, this is the exact customer who EA wants on Origin. They buy everything digital. They buy it through their platform. They're not buying it anywhere else. And, like, they're loyal. They buy everything. Christ, they buy every Battlefield game. They buy every FIFA game. It's everything. Okay. I even went to call them, but they said they can't do anything and don't know anything. Everything's gone. But more surprising is that EA isn't even telling me what happened. They told me it's not their responsibility. When I search in Battlelog and Origin, I can still find my profile. And it's, he says that the picture here is of him in the Indian Air Force where he served 10 years. Okay. That's him. Looks legit to me. Um, attached is my case link. <laughs> There's a tab here. And it's gone. And it says, update, EA just deleted my case ID, and now I have nowhere to track the details of my conversation. Uh, please help me reach out to me if you can. And he gave his Twitter handle and everything. Uh, and then there's a final response from EA. So this was this was his last conversation with EA. Um, so the it looks like the helper's name was Himanshu. And then you, so that's obviously referring to the customer. So we're just going to say him and you, him being the EA representative, you being the person who lost his account. Him, I told you that there is no such information about uh, the email address, the link in, the login. You, okay, what's next? I want my games back. I have the receipts, the credit card transactions, and everything. How to get them back? There. Uh, and then it says you, how to get them back, where him replies, there is no account, there is no details, so I'm unable to follow any process for you. To which you says, but how is it my fault? EA should be able to get back what I purchased. Him, the deletion request was requested from your side. You, at least show me the acknowledgement evidence that someone who knows me requested for deletion of my account. I don't even have any emails on this. To which him replies, how should I provide you any information? There is no account. There is no case. There are no such information. There is nothing. To which you replies, but that's EA's thing to keep. How can I know if someone did it? And how can someone do it without having access to my email ID and my mobile phone while 2FA was active? That's um, 
two form activation. So he should have been able like um, verification, right? Like we have the apps and stuff like that. Um, and then he, it goes on to say, I have receipts. So at least give me my games back and give me a new account to which him replies. There is no way to verify your proof of purchase. Him says we are unable to fetch any information by game codes to which you replies. Why? I have transaction IDs. I still have that credit card. I have receipts. I have the same phone number and same email address. Uh, why can't it be verified to which him replies because all your details were on your account. So now there is no account. So how can we verify you and your purchases <laughs> to which you replies, but my bank has a transactions IDs that I paid to EA. Your billing team will have that the, uh, the way you want. Um, I have access to everything related to this account, except for the account itself that is on a portal managed by you. So he's making very good, very good points here. Uh, him says, I checked your previous case. We consulted with the billing team. We don't have any information. So we are unable to verify you and your purchases. To which you says, so what's your final call on this? He just wants to know, okay, so what are we, what are we doing? Him says, if you want a callback service. You says, yes. Him, I can generate a callback service for you. Please share your number. To which he replies his phone number. Him, thank you. Now please cancel the browser. <laughs> you will receive a call from our side within three to four hours. To which he replies, can you tell me what the resolution is from your end and what the takeaway is from this tiresome conversation? <laughs> him, I tried all possible ways for you, but when there is no account, I am unable to locate anything. I will generate a callback service for you. Uh, to which you replies, with uh, to takeaway is it not reliable to buy anything on Origin as any time it can be deleted and EA will blindly tell you it was deleted and not give you any evidence of it. Um, which him replies, so you can receive a call from support. If we delete your account, that means your account deletion was requested from your side. To which you replies, but you didn't give any proof or any mail from that I'd requested it. How can you claim that I requested it? This is really lame. <laughs> to which him replies, and again, he's arguing with him now. How can you expect any information when there is no account anymore? Everything is linked to your account. Okay. <laughs> to which you replies, and my account was deleted by EA. So what are you trying to suggest? And they go back and forth for a while here. Um, so then he got the mail from EA. I wanted to thank you for your, uh, again, for content EA help. I hope the information we covered helps with your issue. I do understand it was not the answer you wanted, but I provided a link below to our online answer HQ forums where you can leave any additional feedback you may have on this limitation. But there is anything else we can do for you. Feel free to reach out back using the steps below. Um, yeah, so that was his like response talks to the guy in chat. Um, and yeah, so essentially, and what I can gather from the story is that somebody illegally accessed his account and deleted it, which is kind of a crappy thing to do. You know, a lot of times people access these accounts, they use your credit cards to buy like FIFA dollars, you know, to launder money, or they'll they'll use it to have access to your game, stuff like that. But this, whoever this was got the account, maybe they thought they were going to get in trouble, so then they deleted the account instead of just logging out from it i don't know but either way it's a real sh you know really really crappy thing to do if you're going to steal someone's account to also like you know delete it afterwards but with that said um the uh here here was his uh he had a letter of thanks uh this is uh samarjit uh i hope i pronounced that right i'm sorry if i didn't uh, letter of thanks. A big thanks to the gaming community who came in hordes to support me. While all doors were closed for me and EA Help shamelessly rejected my support requests, had I not got this much of support, I don't think I would have ever thought about going back to Battlefield. Having said that, I want to strongly back the developers, DICE, of Battlefield and the franchise itself as they have delivered to us some of the 
best first-person shooters in the last 15 years. This incident and events that have unfolded thereafter, including the immense support from the good guys in the world, will be an unforgettable experience for me, and my support and enthusiasm for Battlefield 5, the future releases, will be the same as ever. For the game and the developer studio DICE, I have only accolades, and I have always wanted this franchise to win the competition. Although when it comes to Electronic Arts, I do have a lot of complaints and won't stop criticizing it for being so money-hungry and pathetic. <laughs> I wish DICE wasn't associated with EA, but that is far from getting real. I request all of you not to lose your trust in Battlefield and the developers who have put their heart and soul into bringing Battlefield to us. The key takeaway is that none of us should remain silent when mammoths in the industry try to suppress us, and we should give corrupt people a strong fight. If EA doesn't know how to treat us, then let's teach them all together. Let's make videos and post which highlights the security and data retention flaws of EA. Thanks, Samarjeet. That, so that's basically the classiest response to this whole situation. It's much classier than my response to Best Buy when my account got deleted. <laughs> and I actually did something wrong in that case. That had nothing to do. Like, like EA, uh, Best Buy was in their right to do what they did. I just thought it was bad customer service and bad bad customer um, experience. But here, like, he, he got boned completely not of his own will. And he still has respect for the developers in the game series, which is just incredible. So then... We, uh, we did have a response, thankfully, from someone at EA. So this is great. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about this. So again, I know it's a lot of text. So sorry for the video, people. I know it's not the most exciting thing. But here we go. So uh, this was Part Welsh is the Reddit user. And he is an EA. I don't know what he does for EA. But anyway, he says, thanks for bringing this to our attention. I've made contact with Flying Officer. So this is basically a post he's making on the thread. But he's saying how he made contact with Flying Officer. That's the customer who lost his account here on Reddit and directed them to engage me and the team on Battlefield Twitter via DM. We've been talking for the past hour and they've been very helpful providing me with some additional information relative to their customer to their circumstance that should help our dedicated support staff look into this in much greater detail. I do not possess direct access to our customer account databases, nor access or the proper education on our EA help customer service tools to directly solve this issue. I am the EA community manager for the UK and not one of our support teams. So that's what he is. He's the community manager for the UK version uh, of EA. I've sent this detail directly through our teams at EA Help and asked them to look into this. I'll be in regular contact with Flying Officer until this is resolved. I'll echo the sentiment shared by many of you on the thread. No, this isn't acceptable to us, and this is uh, to us in this particular instance. We haven't been able to directly resolve this issue via our dedicated support teams, and that's taken an early morning hunt for memes for me to discover this thread, which has since hit the top of our all. I'm grateful that it's providing us this opportunity to rectify the issue, but we will access everything related to this case to understand why this is happening in the first place, in case it can help to prevent similar occurrences for folks in the future. Please also understand that no matter how this issue gets resolved, I won't be in a position to ever talk about the specifics relating to the account of one of our players. Obviously makes sense. Um, he had another update about five hours later, four hours later, four and a half hours later. Myself and the team for Battlefield have been privately engaging with OP, and our support team since this morning, OP has been very kind in sharing further details with us, and we've since fed through our, to our support teams. A dedicated member of the team who I worked with for many years in Ireland has now been directly assigned to the OP's direct point of contact. Before I jump off this thread, I'll anticipate some of the questions that you might have based on this update and do my best to communicate what I can. I'm otherwise keen to sit down and watch... Uh, you someone to watch a soccer match, a football match, uh, in the weekend. And I appreciate your patience you've had with me as I've worked through some of your messages. I know that many of you will see me as an EA logo <laughs> for a face. And I have understandably taken this opportunity to direct your ire and frustration with EA at me directly, but I'll be logging off Reddit for the day 
after this update. Thanks for those who have kind of genuine in their comments. Um, let's see here. If I've had the same experience, what can I do? And they have some things down here. Will you tell us what went wrong? If there's anything I can share, I will. Hopefully you can understand what discussing an in individual circumstances as well as the player account data is improper. Um, yeah. So then that's all that there. So that was kind of an update. So someone saw it, thankfully. And because of him being a community manager, he was able to go through back channels. But again, what if someone hadn't seen this? You know, and originally this post got removed by the mods. And I, I don't know if it was an accident or if they thought it was just someone complaining about EA, but it thankfully got you know, brought back out so that we could, you know, get the info out there. Um, and then there was um, some some good updates. So this is the good part of the story. So um, update number five was Sarah from EA has told me that they have failed to get any detail related to my account and have asked me to create a new origin account for which they will add Battlefield games. Not sure about other games so far. I have collated, uh, collated the order IDs game keys, last six digits of my credit card, waiting for an update. Update six, I am continuously trying to reach EA using various channels, including Sarah's mail ID, but I'm getting no response. They have made me create a new ID and assured to provide me everything back, but I still haven't gotten all of my games, including the Battlefield 5 pre-order. Update seven, I got a response from EA just minutes ago, and they're working on something, although what they're offering is not what I want. All I want is my games that I paid for. <laughs> I will update once they confirm me on this. So far in a higher level, they have told me that we cannot assure anything at this moment. Update number eight, Sarah from EA has helped me in getting my soldier ID back, flying officer, and added most of the games, except for Battlefield 5, into my new account. She has also provided me 12 months of free Origin Premier membership, which I didn't ask for. Although my stats history is gone, I'm quite satisfied that I got my soldier ID back. Waiting for them to restore my Battlefield 5 pre-order. <clears throat> and then this was the email he sent. Uh, which said, thanks a lot for getting back to uh, getting me back an origin with my very own soldier ID. I'm keenly looking forward to getting my Battlefield 5 pre-order back in my account. I want to thank you for providing me origin premiere, but to be honest, I actually don't need that. I would be satisfied with what I've only paid for in advance. Thank a lot for considering my issue and help me towards getting the lost bits of my data. And then update number five, Battlefield 5 pre-order has been restored to his origin account. So everything essentially is back. A I'm assuming what happened was they couldn't obviously restore the deleted account. But what they did was they made sure there were no traces of that account, which freed up the ID. They made the account again for him, got him his ID back, and then just gave him free copies of the game. Which is something that seems like that would have just been the thing to do. I guess. I, I don't understand why. Um, oh, and you know what? I did it again. I'm really bad at this. I wasn't showing you guys the uh, I wasn't showing you guys the the origin stuff that I was reading. Not that it's very exciting. It's just text. And so how is this not the first thing that you do in customer service? If the guy can provide you that he bought these games and his origin account's gone, then how can you not reissue those? Now, the first person he talked to may have been just the bottom level employee and maybe didn't have access to do that. And that's okay. That stuff happens. There's nothing wrong with that. But then that person should have passed it up to the next person and it should have kept going until this got resolved. Like, I don't know... And, and who knows, maybe the account got deleted because it was fraudulent and maybe EA did delete it, um, even though they say it was had to be at the user's request, which with two form, two form of verification, I don't know how you can have something like that happen. Like, that's scary stuff, right? And so like we talked about at the beginning of the video, this is the whole story. But now this goes more into what is going on with the physical versus digital media. And I guess the most important thing I have to say about that is that when you buy a digital game, you're not buying the game, you're buying the right to play that game. 
it's essentially a service that you're paying for so you have access to that game. And if you read those terms of service, it's almost like at any time they want, they can take away that right. And, uh, and, and now in this case, it wasn't that EA just got rid of their account. It was some sort of fluke system where someone stole his account, deleted it, and then they couldn't access it. Totally understand that. But it, it, it goes to that bigger point, which is, is any of our digital stuff ever 100% safe? And, and we know that there's a lot of breaches. I get emails like every day from Epic saying that someone logged into many times or tried to log into my Fortnite account. And I'm just like, okay, so there's people trying to hack people's Fortnite's accounts and all this other nonsense. And so you've got, it's just so strange to me that like, if they're the same price, why anybody would choose, well, I shouldn't say that. Okay. When they're the same price, there are conveniences to digital. I have to give that. I, I, I spoke a little too soon. Digital is very, very convenient. Um, and I know there's stories of like, oh, like say in my room here, like say I had a house fire and I this all burns up, it's all gone. Now it's insured, so I'll be okay. But it would be all gone and I'd have to re-get all of these. Um, if my computer blows up, I just get a new computer and I re-download everything on Steam. And it's over and that's it. So I kind of understand where the benefits to digital lie. And it is cool to have like a computer I can take somewhere and have access to hundreds of games on it. My internet's pretty good here. So if I, I downloaded WoW the other day on my computer that's hooked up to my TV and I think it took me like a half hour or maybe 15 minutes. Like it was so, it was so like I was watching it go and I watched through the progress. It was insane. It was like 50 gigs. It was insane. But not everybody has access to that. Um, and again, this case was, was strange. But what stops... EA one day from being bought by Microsoft. I mean, let's let far-fetched. Yes. I not the greatest example. Let's say Microsoft is gets really aggressive and it says we want to buy EA. And then they say, well, the origin service is being discontinued, but if you sign up for Xbox live, you can get these same games again. Oh, you know, there's something weird with the software. We're not able to switch things from origin to Xbox live. So you have to rebuy all those games if you want to play them again, or they'll stop hosting those games so if you have them downloaded you can still play but you're not able to re-download them because of copyright issues and other things right that's totally a realistic possibility and that's a fear of mine you know and and look i buy most of my computer games digital because that's really the only way to do it so it's gonna happen and consoles one day will be all digital too and we shouldn't shy away from that we shouldn't shy away from the the all digital future that's coming but i also think it's fair to be nervous and to to have you know, to, to want to call them out on some of the vulnerabilities of an all digital future. And I think there are some, and I think this is a case. Uh, and then it goes into the next story, which I'll just kind of continue on this video because it kind of piggybacked on what I was saying anyway, but that was this, um, you know, kind of a follow up to what I did, uh, a story not too long ago about Nintendo when they sent those cease and desist letters to, uh, two of the largest, um, ROM hosting sites on the internet. So these were companies that were making money off of hosting Nintendo games and ROMs and stuff like that. And so Emu Paradise uh, is one of the companies I've, I've used a long time. I like these guys quite a bit. And after all this stuff started happening, they, uh, they decided willfully, they weren't told by Nintendo to stop, but they decided willfully that they were going to take down their ROMs. So this is, this is what Emu Paradise said about the same thing. And then this will get into our, our greater discussion about game preservation which is what was sparked again by this and it says many of you are aware that the situation with regards to emulation sites that have been changing recently what you probably don't know is that at emu paradise we've been dealing with similar similar issues for all 18 years of our existence 
from receiving threatening letters in the early days to our host suddenly shutting down our servers due to complaints. We've seen it all. We've always complied and taken down with takedown requests, but as you can see, there's no guarantee of anything. I started Emu Paradise 18 years ago because I never got to play any of these amazing retro games while growing up in India, and I wanted other people to be able to experience them. Over the years, many folks have joined in and contributed to this vision, and I think that I can say that we've been successful in spreading our passion for retro games far and wide. Though Through the years, I've worked tirelessly with the rest of the Emu Paradise team to ensure that everyone could get their fix of retro gaming. We've received thousands of emails from people telling us how happy they've been to rediscover and even share their childhood with the next generation in their families. We've had emails from soldiers at war saying that the only way to get through their days would be the, in lost in retro video games that they played when they were children. We've got emails from brothers who have lost their siblings to cancer who were able to find solace in playing the games they once did as children. They are countless stories like these. It's been a long and beautiful journey with many ups and downs. When I started Emu Paradise, things could have gone either way, but right now the direction they are going could not be more than clear. So where does that leave us? It's not worth it for us to risk potentially disastrous consequences. I cannot in good conscience risk the futures of our team members who have contributed to the site through the years. We run Emu Paradise for the love of retro games and for you to be able to revisit these good times. Unfortunately, it's not possible right now to do it in a way that makes everyone happy and keeps us out of trouble. This is an extremely emotional decision for me running this site for so many years, but I believe it's the right thing for us at this point of time. Thus, we have decided to make a new start. We will continue to be passionate retro gamers and we will keep doing cool stuff around retro games. But you won't be able to get your games from here for now where we go with this is up to us and up to you we'll still have our emulators database the community and everything that comes along with that we've already made several plans of what's going to happen next it's going to be a fun new beginning and there's going to be lots to come we'd also love to hear from you in the comments of what you think we should do but for now we need to make this change we've served the community for 18 glorious years and it's been one hell of a ride but every end is a new beginning and we've excited to find a way forward to continue being your number one emulation destination um, and then it just says, thanks for supporting us on this journey. We could not have done so much without you visiting us, telling your friends about us, uploading screenshots and descriptions, telling us when something was wrong, letting us know when we messed up and more. Thank you for being part of the community and encouraging us through all these years. And so that's Emu Paradise, which, um, which this was actually the site I used to go to all the time. So, um, now here's kind of the thing. Um, one, it's not like how, how, where to start with this. So there aren't the only ones. There are still ROM sites out there. Emu Paradise was one of the few that didn't have invasive ads and didn't have like malware and uh, and, and Bitcoin farming malware uh, ads and stuff like that. So it was one of the better places to go. I liked how they did it. I liked how they had a top, you know, I, I liked everything about this site, especially if I was looking for something that was Japanese. It was really easy for me to find my import ROMs and everything here. <clears throat> there are other ways going forward that you will be able to get ROMs still. There's still torrents, and I'm sure that right now with all the news of this happening, the torrents have just been like kicking up again. There's probably plenty of seeds and plenty of hosts to just keep going. But it's the other angle that a lot of people started talking about, especially when Emo Paradise made the conscious decision to do it, was that people started going on a, a, a rant about game preservation. And we had some people like uh, Josh from Limited Run Games who made a point about, um, you know, game preservation just isn't about f a digital only, uh, you know, where, and, and he obviously runs a, a business where they bring digital only games to a physical medium, uh, which is definitely a, a good way to preserve gaming, obviously to have them be brought to a physical medium. And then you have, uh, you know, but, but the comment was, and then he got kind of jumped on because people felt like he was attacking 
software emulation and things. And, and I'm always torn on this and, and people always think, <clears throat> excuse me, I have such a strange point of view on this because I own a used video game store. So you would think I'd be really against emulation because it would hurt my business. Like instead of a customer coming in and saying, you know, oh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to buy this $100 Bucky O'Hare because I can emulate and download it for free. And that does happen. I'd be lying if I said it didn't. Um, I, I've seen multiple instances, and I'll, I'll give a couple examples. One example was uh, when I was at GameStop, there was a customer that would keep coming in, and he bought almost every DS game that came out. Like, he bought every RPG. He actually was a big-time YouTuber. Unfortunately, he passed away um, years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, was a, he was a YouTuber, and he enjoyed uploading content for people, and, um, and that was that. Then he got an R4 card for his DS. If you don't know what that is, it's basically a chip that you put SD cards in, you play ROMs on your DS. He never bought another DS game after that. Like it was like, as soon as he got that, he knew he didn't have to spend money anymore and he just stopped. And that's crazy. Like that's the exact opposite of what you want with, you know, he, he, he was the example of the worst case scenario, basically, of people just no longer being part of the system and also not just emulating classic stuff you can't buy anymore, but he was emulating stuff that was currently in stores and in the market. Um, so, you know, just kind of weird. And, but that, that was him. And then a second story, you know, I, I had a customer who uh, bought almost every NES game he could. He was going for a, not necessarily a complete collection, but he was going, he was in the hundreds and he was really looking forward to it, um, you know, to getting all these great games. And then he got an NES classic and he modified it to have all the games on it. And he actually sold all of his NES games very strange now as a collector i would never do that but again it's his right it's his prerogative nothing wrong with it but again that was kind of one of those instances of he found a way to a more convenient way to play those games and so that's what he went with and convenience is actually a very very big point when we start talking about uh emulation because if we would because it, everyone's gonna remember well, maybe not now because I'm old, but like, remember Napster, right? So Napster came along and was more convenient than going and buying CDs and you could get any music you wanted. You could get it from anywhere you wanted. You got it on, a, on a, the click of a mouse and you had access to it. And so Napster was successful and popular because it was convenient and easy. Um, and so what you saw then with music over the last whatever years, the digital distribution of music made it much more accessible. So people weren't downloading music illegally when they could go on iTunes, buy a single for 99 cents. And then later when you buy the album, they discount the parts of the song you, you already, or the, the, the songs you already bought. So you actually don't even have to pay full price for the album once you've already bought a couple pieces of it. Like that's convenient and that works. And so it makes sense. You know, if Nintendo would offer a solution where we could get access to these games, It'd be different and they don't unfortunately and that's part of the problem that everybody has and yeah it's it's thinly under the guise of like video game preservation and that's a legit thing but a lot of these cartridges are going to last a very long time and we're all able to dump our you know it's really easy to dump roms it's not that difficult uh with the right pieces of hardware and like i have a, modif a modified nes i can dump roms it's not that big a deal but it's it's more so that we want easy access to those games and we will pay for it if access is easy we will pay for it but that's part of the problem is that like it's not easy and you can't get everything so now if everyone starts taking down the websites 
and I can't get my like I really wanted to play the original Kingsfield. I'm a huge FromSoft fan. Like I love those guys. Love everything they do. Kingsfield on PS1 is one of my favorite PlayStation One games. But that's technically Kingsfield too. The original Kingsfield came out in Japan only. How else am I going to play that? You know, PS1's region locked. I can't. Uh, you know, yes, okay. So I could buy a Game Shark. I could do that. I could, you know, what I could do. I could play it a lot of different ways. Or, which and don't get me wrong, I have it. It's in my collection. You know, I, I have I have my original Kingsfield. Um, I have this bigger black box thing over here it's got every kingsfield game all the way through ps2 like i i own it physically i bought it but for convenience of playing it right it's easier to play it through an emulator than it would be to try to figure out a device to be able to play it and so anyway i, I digress um but so it, it's a convenience factor and and so yes game preservation is very important because i do want in 100 years to people to still be able to play these games what if nintendo's not around the same way it is in 100 years you know nintendo started off as a playing cards company what if they find something else that makes them way more money than video games and they drift off into that? What if they go all mobile and they just start making mobile touch games? You know, I don't know. Who knows what they could do? What if Nintendo figures out the most accurate way to do AR technology contact lenses and then all they do is make video games for your eyeballs? I don't know. I don't know what the future is, but it's possible and anything, everything can change. And so I would love to have these things preserved. And I think for the most part, they are, you can go on torrents, you can find complete sets of ROMs. You can get all that stuff and emulators are not against the law. So you can find the emulators. Those will always be easy to find. So it, it's whatever, but if Nintendo would offer a service and just say, look, we're going to set up a website where you can go and play all these games like make it a built-in web browser and then just charge a monthly fee for access to the site like how hard is that i'd pay 10 bucks a month for the access to every nes super nintendo and n64 game playable in a browser I, who wouldn't i mean god that's awesome you know and, and so so once we get to the point of netflix uh you know for games when we actually get to that point where it's convenient and good and not like playstation now playstation now is not good enough the price is a little too high and there's not enough games on it. it's just ps3 games basically like put a whole ps1 and ps2 library on there and then we'll talk um but uh it's it, so that's part of the issue with all this stuff that's happening is it's it's not just about ea blocking someone's or ea delete having an account deleted not being able to bring it back it's not about emulators leaving it's the whole idea of you know there's benefits to both physical and digital but if we want gaming to continue we want to keep enjoying it for century for, for decades and maybe even centuries we do have to preserve it in a way that's that's convenient and legal and i think that's really the tricky part is to to be able to somehow do both and then lastly, this actually fits a little bit with the story I was talking about um, earlier. I've been talking about, um, you know, used game rights and emulators and blocking things and, and, and going out of their way and all digital futures. So uh, I have to give a shout out to uh, my friend Zach. He's on Twitter at Elusia. He basically uh, was one who shared the story with me first. And it, it hit me like right away in the morning on Saturday and unfortunately the weekends or when I'm just uh, destroyed uh, with work, so I never get a chance to really upload videos or do content, and so that's why these videos are always, like if a story comes out on a Friday or Saturday, like I'm always late to the party, like I am with all my stories this week. But, so he, he, he kind of showed me the initial story, and I'm a little glad that I waited, because I knew there had to be more to this story. I just knew that there was something weird going on. And there are some parts of this, so this is, a, this is Polygon's uh, article on it, and then they do have the update, which was they reached out for... Uh, clarification from bethesda and from some others uh so i want to kind of go through this because the initial story 
was that uh, was that Philadelphia-based Ryan Hupp recently contacted Polygon to explain how he'd been forced by Bethesda to stop selling his copy of The Evil Within 2. He bought the game but never unwrapped it, he told us. He's, he'd been expecting a purchase a PlayStation 4 but instead spent his money upgrading a gaming PC. Hub said he often sells used goods through Amazon Marketplace, which works in much the same way as other online sites such as eBay. Uh, yes, we know how Amazon works. Um, Bethesda's legal firm, Voris, sent Hub a letter, which he forwarded to Polygon, warning that the game must be taken down and threatening legal action for non-compliance. In its letter, Voris made the argument that Hub's sale was not, quote, by an authorized reseller and was therefore, therefore quote, unquote, unlawful. Bethesda also took issue with Hupp's use of the word new in selling the unwrapped game, claiming that this constituted quote-unquote false advertising. Hupp complied with the demand, but in reply to Voris, uh, Varus, Voris, he pointed out that the resale of used copyrighted goods such as books, video games, and DVDs is protected in U.S. Uh, law by the first sale doctrine. This allows consumers to sell a game so long as it's not significantly altered from its original form. Bethesda's letter claims that Hub's sale is not protected by first sale doctrine because he is not selling the game in its original form, which would include a warranty. The letter says this lack of warranty renders the game materially, uh, materially different from genuine products that are sold through official channels. In theory, this argument could be used against anyone who sells a used game without specific permission from Bethesda. So unless you remove all Bethesda products from your storefront, stop selling any and all Bethesda products immediately, and identify all sources of Bethesda products you are selling, we intend to file a lawsuit against you, the letter reads. It goes on to state that a lawsuit would seek disgorgement of profits, compensatory damages, attorney's fees, and investigative and other costs. Hub's specific listing appears to have been targeted because it was listed as new and unopened. Amazon still lists dozens of used and new copies of Evil Within 2 from marketplace sellers. You know, actually, let's look real quick. Why not? Um, um, so Amazon sells it new. But then if you look at uh, other sellers, let's see, see, this says sold by Pro Games USA. I, don't, I mean, are, are they an, an authorized reseller? Like, I don't, I don't know, you know. Um, where does it say other sellers? I think I have to go back to this page and then click on. Okay. So if you look right now, Evil Within 2, uh, like new, like new, good. This one still says new from Pro Games USA because it's fulfilled by Amazon. Um, let's see here. And that's the only one that's listed on here, the ones that are fulfilled by Amazon. So I don't know if that's a deal they have with Amazon. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, this, this is a weird one because... <sighs> okay, so uh, let's keep going with the story before I start ranting on this. <laughs> um, uh, okay, when contacted by Polygon, Bethesda offered the following statement. So we have Bethesda's response. Bethesda does not and will not block the sale of pre-owned games. The issue in this case is that the seller offered a pre-owned game as new on the marketplace. We do not allow non-authorized resellers to represent what they sell as new because we can't verify that the game hasn't been opened and repackaged. This is how we protect this is how we help protect buyers from fraud and ensure our customers always receive authentic new product with all enclosed materials and warranty intact. In this case, if the game has been listed as pre-owned, this would have not been an issue. So it seems like 
they're trying to get by in semantics because they if he had said the game was like new and said it was like new in the shrink wrap it would have been okay i mean because so in his in his thing does he have to say it's like new and then in the description say bethesda tried to sue me for saying it was new it's still in its original shrink wrap from when i bought it from the store so it's basically new except i can't say it's new so it's like new and it doesn't really make any sense i'm I'm like having a hard time wrapping around why bethesda would even deal with something like this like what is the point of this how much do you think they had to pay their lawyers (laughs) to send out that stupid message and to send out these, like, they're paying these guys hundreds of dollars an hour to stop a guy from selling a $20 new game. I mean, they still got their profits from when he bought the game from them brand new. Is this them trying to get a cut of new game sales that maybe didn't go to them, but it already did once? I, this this whole thing's really confusing to me. So uh, they Polygon also asked for clarification on how the company's warranties work on used and secondhand goods sold through official channels. So GameStop, for example, offers a blanket 30-day warranty. Uh, we also contacted Voris for comment multiple times, but did not receive a reply. Amazon's publicity department also did not respond for a request for comment. However, on the website, Voris offers advice for companies seeking to eliminate the sale of products via places like eBay in an article titled three-step approach to stopping unauthorized online sales on eBay. So I don't know if Voris is Bethesda's lawyer for everything, but it seems as though this company is specifically designed to stop resellers. Like, like they on their website, they tell you how to stop it. And here's what their website says. Under what is known as the first sale doctrine, once a trademark owner sells a product, the buyer ordinarily can resell the product without infringing on the owner's mark. However, the first sale doctrine does not apply when a reseller sells a trademarked good that is mater- materially different from the company's genuine goods. We know that already. Case law has established a few important principles relating to material differences. This includes that one, the threshold of materiality is considered low. Only a single material difference is necessary to give rise to a trademark infringement claim. And three, material differences do not have to be physical differences. So what that says is that basically there were case law has established three principles. One, that to, to prove that something is materially different is very low. You don't have to do a lot to prove it. Only one thing that is different is necessary for it to give rise to a trademark infringement claims. And that three, material differences don't have to be physical differences, which means they could make an argument that says, well, you're not selling it with the warranty that an authorized reseller sells it for, the warranty we offer, so there is no warranty. But here's what I don't understand. And I worked for GameStop for 11 years. Something like that new game doesn't really have a warranty. I mean, GameStop offers a warranty, but that's not at the behest of Bethesda. They do it as their own company policy. What I also don't understand is that Amazon has their own warranty on it. So Amazon requires you to have a warranty on the games you sell. In fact, it was why I don't sell on Amazon is because they, they, you can't say no returns no matter what. You have to offer returns in certain cases. And so... What, what warranty is Bethesda talking about? There is no warranty that automatically comes along with their new games from them. If you have a defective game, you don't go to Bethesda and say, hey, man, I need my game fixed. You go back to the store you bought it from. Very strange. Now, yes, if that defective game goes back to GameStop, GameStop then does return it defective to Bethesda for either a replacement or a refund. Like, that is true. But that's not really the same thing because it's GameStop offering the warranty, not them. So, and, and that's, that's their, their weak claim here. 
Uh, and I also, like I said, I don't understand it because it is new. They're trying to argue that if he had said it was pre-owned, which is actually correct terminology, because <laughs> GameStop... Okay, so there's a lot of different terminology in the used game business. So you have a game that you would call used, right? So I actually say a game is used. GameStop used to have new games and they used to have used games. Well, GameStop doesn't do used games anymore. They do pre-owned because pre-owned is a softer term. Like when you think of something used, it oftentimes has like a negative connotation with it as opposed to um, something that's pre-owned sounds like it's, oh, it's better. It doesn't sound like, like used almost sounds like it's used up, like it's, it's bad. Pre-owned is, oh, it was owned by somebody else. No big deal. Owned is a positive connotation. So, so anyway, years ago, GameStop, who used to sell used games, switched and now they sell pre-owned games. If he had listed the game as pre-owned, that would actually be accurate because it is a previously owned game. It's a previously owned game that was never played still in its original shrink wrap. Apparently, if he had listed it like that, according to Bethesda, they would have said that was okay. Uh, I don't really know how that would have been okay, but that's what they said would have been okay. And so, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's not used, and they're saying that he should have listed it as used. And Amazon doesn't have a pre-owned heading. They've got new, like new, and used. So I guess you could have put it as like new and then said original shrink wrap, still sealed, uh, previously owned but never played, still in sh original shrink wrap plastic. So I guess that would have worked. But I just, it's such a weird thing to waste your money on. And it seems like there was a Let's see. There's an update. The post headline had been updated to make clear the game was questioned. The update two. The post been updated with the official response from Bethesda. So, um, and then obviously, uh, this is not Bethesda, the game studio. Duh. It's Bethesda. It's it's the it's most likely Zenimax and Bethesda. Like it's the corporate sides of it, not the not the game companies making Fallout. So don't like boycott Fallout or something. But. Yeah, so this was a weird one too. So this also goes back to that. So like, why would a why is a company trying to regulate what someone can do with their personal property? So this even goes to physical games, right? We were just talking about that physical versus digital. So now a physical game, companies are trying to prevent us from reselling our physical games. How, on what plan are we living on? And again, they say they argue Bethesda argues that if it had been used, they wouldn't have had a problem with it. So I don't know. I really don't understand that. I don't know if. I'm not sure what that decision is. I'd love to hear from Bethesda more about why it's got such an issue. Now, they claim it's for keeping their customers safe, but Amazon has that protection in place. If I buy a new game on Amazon and it comes like shrink-wrapped in tape, well, I'm going to be like, hey, Amazon, this isn't new. I want a refund, and they're going to say, you got it, and Amazon refunds like crazy. Another reason I don't sell on there is because like at the drop of a hat, they just take your money back and then give you the product back, and sometimes the product that they send out to somebody isn't even your exact product. For instance, say you have a whole bunch of new games, you send them to Amazon, they have to get like inspected as a new game so that they're verified as new. So your game gets sent to the warehouse, they go through everything and say, okay, all this new stuff is good. They just put it in a stack of other new games. So when someone is a, is a buyer and they buy my copy, they're not getting my copy necessarily. They're getting whatever copies pulled off the shelf. So it, like all oh, this stuff just makes no sense to me. Uh, this is really whack. I really don't understand this uh, at all. And and they're saying it's for customers to make sure they don't get ripped off. I'm not buying that. It just seems like they're creeping and creeping and creeping onto what they can do. And if they win these little battles in the courts like this, then eventually they're going to be able to, to just keep winning more and more battles. And then one day it's like, well, you can't resell our stuff because by opening it, 
you changed it, right? Like, how does that not make sense, right? They said if you materially change it, then you can't resell it. So if I materially change the game by opening it, you know, I mean, that's, what are we arguing about here, right? It's so strange. And it's such a, ugh, ugh. I don't know. This is, this is scary territory for me. That's getting into like scary, scary territory for me. But anyway, um, that is all I had to talk about today. It's all I want to talk about. I actually am, I'm going on really long, I'm an hour and 20 minutes today. Um, and, uh, it's a lot longer than I normally go. So there's nothing wrong with that though. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I hope you guys don't have a problem with that. Uh, today we're going to talk about our game of the week. And I got to talk about this one because I was literally just playing it and it is as good as I remember. Uh, and I had never played the actual version before, but I have my copy of Dracula X for the well, the PC CD, technically, but it's the TurboGrafx CD. So this game was only really released in this form. Um, man, that glare is killing me here. Uh, it's very, very good. Uh, it is an expensive game. It's about 200 bucks. I think it goes for now. Um, but this is essentially the prequel to Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And you can see the transition from Castlevania 3 to, the, uh, to Symphony of the Night is this game. Like, you see a natural progression. Like, this is still linear. You still go levels left to right, but you have branching paths to take, different bosses to fight, um, multiple secrets to find, and it was just that great middle point between Castlevania 3 and Castlevania Symphony of the Night. But it plays like a castle, uh, like a classic Castlevania. The action's really good. The bosses are super hard, and uh, they did do a version of this for the Super Nintendo. It's pretty terrible compared to this version, but it's not bad in its own right. So if it's the only one you can get, go get it. But it's technically more expensive than this. So just get this one. And uh, I think you can also get this version on the Wii or Wii U Virtual Console. Not 100% sure, but it's just super good. Man, it's super good. And then the ending of this game is literally the beginning of Symphony of the Night. Like, they, they go right back to back. So if you love Symphony of the Night, you have to find a way to play this game. It's uh, one of the best, one of the classics. Uh, go play it. All right, and as always, everybody, thank you so much for watching and listening. Another another podcast down. Uh, today we are, um, you know, we're getting closer and closer to our 3,000 subs. That's what we're really, really excited to hit, and hopefully we'll hit that by the end of the year. We'll just keep plugging away. We'll just keep grinding um, and just doing our thing. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes and podcast, if you could go and subscribe to us on YouTube, that'd be amazing. We'd love that. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube but you prefer your content, like, all in one long piece, uh, as you as a podcast you can check me out on itunes search uh, the podcast uh, search for game talk radio and you should find me again you have to search under podcast you can't just go to like itunes you have to go to the podcast app or whatever um or you can listen to me on soundcloud so whatever you prefer i really appreciate it as always you guys are great guys and gals are great i love doing this every single week i said i might do a short one or i might not even do one this week and i end up having one of the longer ones i've done in a long time but it was a good conversation i think we covered some really good stuff so thank you as always appreciate you guys for listening and watching have a great day we'll talk to you again soon bye-bye